Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to Wit and Reason with me, Dr. Alexis Moreno. And on today's show, we're actually bringing on a guest expert, Dr. Mitch Preenstein, to talk about teens' mental health. We're going to talk about how impactful and important teens' peer relationships are, uh, what parents can do during this phase to help support their teens' mental health, and hey, there's other adults involved in, in teens' lives at this point. So whether you're a teach, a coach, um, a, an auntie or, or uncle, I mean, we're going to talk about teens all together and what everyone can do to support uh, our teens and helping them take care of their mental health and well-being. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. Hi, Dr. Mitch Prinstein. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us to share your your knowledge and research with with us and all of our listeners here at DC Radio. Thanks so much for having me and for addressing this really important topic. Yeah, so um, I was actually able to uh, listen to you speak at the American Psychological Association uh, convention uh, in Chicago recently as you were addressing um, Suicide, and more specifically, teen suicide. Mm-hmm. And so, your your research. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it, and and, and uh, what your focus is, and and what's really inspired you to to focus in on teen suicide? Sure. Um, when I began working on this topic, I had no idea how prevalent teen suicide was. Um, most people don't know that it's the second leading cause of death 
for kids between the ages of 10 and 24. And um, in the United States, we have one of the highest suicide ideation and suicide attempt rates in the entire world. So um, for me, this was a major public health crisis that no one was talking about. And Mm -hmm. I was really excited to take some of my work on um, how kids interact with their peers and apply it to suicide because as it turns out, so many kids attempt suicide because of problems they're having with peers. Right, I I think a a lot of people kind of overlook like how important that peer relationship is around those teen years. Mm -hmm. But if we, I mean, even if we think back like to our times as as adolescents, you know, and what was the most important relationships we had when we were teens, it it was our friends, you know, or it was the people that we went to school with. And there's good reason for that. So as neuroscience research kind of continues, we now know that one of the first areas of the brain to mature in adolescence Uh is a part that makes us really crave a desire to be with friends and feel rewarded and um, appreciated by friends. So that kind of adolescent desire to really, you know, care about relationships, it's not just a um, a whim or a, a thing that should be disregarded or minimized by parents or adults. It really is biologically extraordinarily important to kids, and it makes perfect sense that when those relationships go awry, there are some kids who have such a hard time with it that yeah. um, they sometimes consider suicide. Right. And so... And can you tell us more and, and help parents, teachers, um, even like family members understand like how teenage relationships or friendships can impact them? Is it, um, I'm guessing it's, it's both in positive, healthy behaviors and some, some negative, unhealthy behaviors as well. What research is really showing us is that kids learn in the context of relationships. They can learn alone, of course, but it's in the context of relationships that kids really can try out new things, new ideas, and get immediate social feedback. And again, it's during that time in adolescence when their brains are so sensitized to peer interactions that that feedback um, can really affect their learning in very, very strong ways. So in a lot of ways, this is a good thing. We want kids to become more autonomous, to start to separate from their parents a bit and start to try out their own values and identity and experiment with new behaviors and hopefully get feedback from peers that tells them which behaviors are okay and not and which values are considered to be um, worthwhile and which ones might not be very well approved. Um, But of course that means there's also the strong potential for peer influence and a very strong concern that when peer relationships go awry, kids' primary context for support and for a sense of who they are can disappear. Mm -hmm. And among a subset of kids, um, that stressor is just a bit too much to handle. And we're trying to learn a little bit about why it is that some kids experience that stressor in stride and some experience the breakup or separation from friends or victimization as something that they feel they can't go on living after having experienced. Right. So it could definitely have a very strong impact um, on, on a person. And uh, what, it, what kind of um, advice or tips do you have for parents or family members um, of teens who see their friendships not really having a positive impact on them? Maybe they're concerned about the groups of people that, that they're hanging out with or the type of an impact that their friends are having on them. 
Well, you can't tell kids to not be friends with the people they want to be friends right. with. Right. I think of the Romeo, that that Romeo and Juliet kind of situation of, of exactly. trying to exactly. keep them apart. It's just going to push them closer together. Right. So we all know, but it's a good reminder, yeah. you know, that um, that's probably not the strategy parents want to take. But it probably is important for parents to realize that kids are really wrestling. They're wrestling with who it is their parents want them to be, mm-hmm. who it is that their friends want them to be. And what's easy for them to forget is to figure out who they are, hopefully somewhere in the middle, yeah. right? So they might listen to, you don't want them to listen to their parents only or their peers only because mm-hmm. we want for kids to be self-sufficient, autonomous beings. Right. Um, that's what we all want for our kids. So helping kids have that conversation is really important. Saying that everything that their friends say is wrong and bad and they should never listen to them is not going to work. But asking them, what are the things you're taking from your friends that's helpful? Mm. What are the things about it that feels rewarding? Why are your friends' opinions so important to you? And they'll probably tell you because their status and their popularity and their kind of ability to get along with kids at school is, in fact, really important. And that's true. Um, Again, they're biologically primed to really care about that. But reminding them that not everything their parents, uh, their friends talk about is important and what their parents say also is important. And um, who they are is going to be a mashup of both of those things. And helping them through that dialogue, that inner dialogue, making it explicit and letting kids really talk that out. And I think if they have parents that feel that they can say those things out loud mm-hmm. and not be immediately um, belittled for caring about things like their peer reputations or not be told that, oh, none of that matters, you'll see when you get older, which is incredibly um, invalidating to kids when they hear it, Right. Um, I think it's important. And I think that can really help kids appreciate that this is a struggle. You know, everyone struggles with this during their life. It's totally normal. Mm-hmm. And um, have a forum where they can learn what do they value. Because even kids will tell you, even their very best friends, there are some things they don't agree with them about. Yeah. And let them let kids tell you that and generate that for themselves. That way um, they are the voice of recognizing that they can't follow everything their friends tell them. Right. So, so kind of creating a space where parents can help the teens kind of figure out and problem solve for themselves, like what's working well in a, in a friendship and, and what might not be working so well. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's parents switching to the role of being a consultant. Mm-hmm. So rather than telling their kids what to think and feel and do and who to interact with, mm-hmm. kind of being someone that can be a sounding board and a, an advisor, which is a hard shift for parents to make because they have been parents for 12 years by that point. Right. And suddenly they have to switch roles. And it's hard. It, yeah. it makes perfect sense why it's hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, we definitely see the different types of parents um, struggling with that, this transition, whether they're going to one extreme and becoming um, overly uh, immersed in their kid's life or kind of engaging in that helicopter parenting style that, that we see sometimes um, or, or feeling, you know, rejected by, by their children um, and taking a personal offense uh, to that. But what you're saying is, you know, it's, it's totally normal, um, both mm-hmm. biologically and developmentally for teens to, to want to, you know, have more a- autonomy um, from their parents and to really develop those peer relationships. Yeah, I like telling parents if your 12-year-old thinks that you have become totally lame, <laughs> then that means that their brain is developing perfectly well. Yes. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
And and so, what about um, the parents' impact on on the teens' development? Uh, we talked a little bit about the parents switching their role over to more of a a, a consultant. Um, what else can parents do to support their teens' mental health? Well, we are working on some research right now where we're asking kids to tell us a little bit about what it, messages they hear from their parents and what messages they hear from their very best friends and from the most popular kids in school. And we're trying to figure out who do kids listen to more and how do they reconcile all of those different messages. And what we hear is that um, kids tend to have their own values, beliefs, and behavior almost exactly at the midpoint between what their parents say and what their best friends say. So I tell parents, you've got about 50% of influence <laughs> and you should use every bit of it. Yeah. And what I mean by that really is that parents should be asking kids, what are you hearing on social media and how do you think you should be interpreting that? Mm. Um, should you believe everything you say on there? What are the things that you think people are saying just to seem cool? Right. And letting um, their teens know that it is normative for some kids to feel pretty bad sometimes, pretty stressed. Mm -hmm. Interpersonal stressors go up for almost everyone at this stage. Um, and the rate of depression is one in five for mm -hmm. every adolescent female before the age of 25, one in 10 for every adolescent male. So that means a whole lot of parents should and could be having some open conversations about feeling depressed, feeling down, feeling confused. and also talking very explicitly about suicide and um, or self-harm like um, cutting right and asking kids in a way that doesn't feel punitive or scary whether that's something they've ever thought of because there are resources available but if kids don't feel safe mentioning that to their parents and they're certainly not going to say anything to get themselves help Right. Oh, man. I, I kind of got chills over here when you started talking about like parent, like just imagining a parent trying to have that conversation with their child about um, cutting or, or suicidal um, thoughts. I mean, I, I would imagine that would be a very difficult place for a parent to try to have that conversation without coming across as, you know, really concerned or, or fearful. Um, do you have any? Absolutely. Do you have any uh, tips on how parents can prepare for having that kind, not not just having the conversation of asking the questions, but then like what to do with the information if, if their teenager um, is engaging in, in cutting behaviors or self-harm or thinking about um, ending their life? Well, you know, I think a lot of parents of course, it's so incredibly difficult to have that conversation, and yet it's so important to have it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one strategy that I think a lot of parents seem to feel more comfortable with is to start by talking with their teen about the experiences of their uh, teen's friends, not by name, not so um, teens feel like they're tattling on their friends, but just to say, you know, I know that there are a lot of kids that are around the age of you and your friends and all of those um, other kids in your grade that I know you care about. And what do you think it would be like for them if they ever felt like they were having such a hard time with stress or having such a hard time feeling down um, that they might think about ending their life? Have you ever heard of anyone who has felt that way? What would you do? if you had heard of somebody who, um, who is feeling that way at your age. And it helps to assess 
how much do adolescents, are they aware of that and how much do they feel like they are confident that they would know the resources about it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes after a couple of conversations bringing it up saying, look, it's in the news, you've read an article about it, you know that this happens, you want to ask them whether it's something they're aware of and they know what they would do, then you can slowly turn the conversation to saying, you know, have you ever felt that way? And if the prior conversations about other peers feel like um, to the teen that that the parent was okay with the conversation, Mm -hmm. it was safe, it was something the parent didn't freak out about or judge people for having those thoughts and feelings, then the teen might be more willing and likely to say, if they're having those experiences themselves, to say, you know, actually, I have thought about that sometimes and I'm feeling okay of telling you because I saw how cool you were when I told you about how other peers sometimes feel that way and you seem to be very sympathetic and very understanding and recognizing that this is something to take seriously and not to, you know, um, kind of blow off. So that's a strategy, kind of starting by talking about the topic generally, talking about it with about grade mates, and then easing in to asking kids whether they've felt that way themselves. Mm-hmm. What a what a really great approach to kind of first the parent starts. And you, as you mentioned, I think you could even say, like, you know, in the news, we're, we're learning about this, or you have some other kind of a little bit more detached starting point to talk about um, uh, self-harm or stress or depression um, or, or suicidal thoughts, um, and then slowly get closer and closer to, to the teen personally. I mean, I think there are a few issues that make this especially hard for parents that probably should be addressed. The first, of course, is that parents feel like if they bring it up, it will somehow put the idea into their kids' heads. And it's just really important to make clear that that's just not true. Kids have heard about this. They are thinking about it, if not for themselves. They've thought about it in the abstract or they've heard someone else thinking about it. So parents must bring this up. Mm -hmm. But the second is to know that when parents bring it up, they need to recognize their kids are scared. They're scared. What if I tell mom or dad or someone else in the family that I feel this way? Will I be whisked to the hospital right away? Will my parent be mad at me? Will they not understand and make me feel bad for having those thoughts? So I think that to have the conversation first, it's important for parents to establish that none of those things will happen. Um, Again, by maybe bringing it up more broadly at first and showing that This is something that parents feel very understanding about. They can be sympathetic about. They recognize that this is part of the human experience for, again, a remarkably high proportion of kids. And it um, is something that hopefully people understand and are accepting about. And after parents have proven themselves worthy of hearing the information from their own child, then their child might be willing to disclose to them. Right. Really good points. And, you know, you mentioned when when we first started our conversation about, um, unfortunately, like how common it is. I mean, with with suicide being the second leading cause of death within um, this age group. uh, Could you tell us a little bit more about how common it is for teens to have um, those thoughts of, of suicide? Well, um, data from the Center of um, Disease Control um, says that approximately 20% of kids have seriously considered suicide within a given one-year period here in the United States. And um, 
that's a remarkably high percentage. Now, in some of those cases, kids might have simply thought about it um, for a day or an hour Mm -hmm. at a time they were feeling really bad and never thought about it again. That's very different than someone who might be thinking on a daily or um, several times a day, thinking exactly about how and when they would engage in suicidal behaviors. So again, it's really important for parents to know that there's no need to freak out just because a child says they've thought of it once. And at the same time, I think knowing that information, it's very important to take it seriously and say, okay, well, I don't have to think that something's going to happen tonight Mm -hmm. unless, of course, their child does say that they're thinking about it quite actively with an idea of exactly how they would attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, Parents don't have to freak out thinking it's going to happen tonight, but they might want to say, I need to take this seriously if my child has thought about it at all. I want to make sure they are seen by a trained mental health professional Mm -hmm. to make sure that they don't continue thinking about it in the future. Right. And and I think that's a really good point to make. I mean, hearing um, about any kind of thoughts of either self-harm or suicide um, from their teen could raise a lot of uh, alarm. But I mean, really... 20% 20% within the past year. So it's it's not uncommon for teens to have thoughts like these that, that go in, that come up in their mind. It's exactly right. Yeah. And I think that the concern of course is that you know parents um, might feel that they're either either they're bringing up something that they haven't thought of or if once they hear it what do they do? No one wants to know that information mm-hmm. and then not know what to do. So right it's probably important for parents to know that there are a variety of things to do. If a child is saying that they are thinking of attempting suicide in the near future, cannot promise that they will be safe um, at moments when they're unsupervised, and they seem to have a very clear idea of how they would do it, that would be an example of when it's important to go directly to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are many ways in which um, kids might express their concern about this, where it would be possible to hook up kids with a hotline like 1-800-SUICIDE, mm-hmm. a text line, there, uh, which kids seem to prefer these days, um, to talk about suicide, or simply getting them into treatment with a trained mental health professional within the next week or two, making sure they really follow up to do that, and then making sure that they're talking frequently with a the therapist about how their child is doing and making sure that they're taking away any means of attempting suicide. That means taking firearms out of the home, mm-hmm. not just under lock and key. Most kids know where that key is. Okay. So taking the firearms out of the home if mm-hmm. necessary, taking sharp objects and pills out of the child's reach, mm-hmm. and working quite carefully with a mental health professional. Okay. Oh, all very useful tips. And um, we'll post on our website on witandreason.com um, resources to um, the National uh, suicide um, Prevention Hotline, um, and the American Psychological Association now has a resource where you can find mental health professionals in your area as well, so we'll make sure to post that too, so that way parents can feel equipped with like, okay, if I ask this question and open this door and they say, yes, they're having this problem, now what do I do? So they can feel That's prepared. Um, and And so we talked about, you know, how impactful the peer relationships are, um, the parents. Um, I'm thinking about other adults in a teen's life. Um, 
like teachers or coaches? I mean, where did they come into the picture with uh, supporting a teen's mental health and, and well-being? I think that we all are responsible for making sure that kids' mental health is addressed in the same way that any adult would approach a child who was coughing or showing physical signs of a, a medical ailment. We need to also be attentive, knowledgeable and attentive and responsive to any signs of a mental health concern. And the signs of depression might include um, changes in behavior and attitude, not just sadness, but sometimes an increase in irritability, Mm -hmm. change in appetite or weight or sleep patterns, um, a sense of hopelessness or not really enjoying things that they used to enjoy before. a variety of different possible things. It's different in every child, of course. There's so many resources that sounds wonderful that you're providing them on wittandreason.com um, so people can see what those resources are and, and call to get information. If I may, um, effectivechildtherapy.org is another oh, um, resource available where people can read about some of these uh, resources and also the best possible approaches to, um, to get treatment and get help. Um, and that's from the nonprofit Society of Clinical Child and Adolescent Psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, every coach, every teacher, anyone who is in contact with kids who yeah. notices anything of concerns should consider it as important, if not as dire of a potential outcome, um, as they would with any physical ailment that they would probably more comfortably and readily respond to. We just have to change the culture in recognizing that mental health is also health. Yeah, I I wonder, and I don't know if if, uh, the research supports this, but if the hesitation to address mental health amongst amongst teens, whether you're a teacher or a coach or or parent, um, is related to... um, feeling intimidated by by the conversation and what might come out of it you know maybe if it's like if we don't talk about it then then there's not a problem which we know is false but um i'm wondering what what kind of recommendations do you have for teachers coaches people who aren't family members of teens um how how they could feel more comfortable to to talk about um or check in with the teens mental health I think that things are changing, and I think that a lot of the stigma and a lot of the discomfort that most of us adults are concerned about um, might not be as concerning as it once was, so I kind of suggest go for it. Have that conversation. Try it out. I've been calling parents um, who have children engaged in our research studies for 20 years, and I have noticed a very big difference in how those calls go because the discomfort and the stigma and the concern about what it means to have a child who might be suffering have really changed. Um, Almost universally, parents are aware, interested, ready to act, grateful that somebody has helped out, recognizing that, of course, parents can't know and see everything anymore about mm-hmm. their kids, and they need and want the help and the input from others. Of course, there will always be some people who don't respond as well, mm-hmm. but the consequence of not saying something is so much greater. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much for all of your input and, um, and the resource. It's EffectiveChildTherapy.org. 
Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay, we'll make sure there's um, an easy clickable link on our website as well. Um, all of your, your research and your information has been so helpful. Um, and thank you so much for sharing these really practical tips on um, what parents can do, what teachers, coaches. I mean, even as we talked about the peer relationships, if there's any teens listening, um, be mindful that, that your relationship with your friends is can have a really positive impact um, on, on one another. So thank you so much for bringing all of that to our attention and for, for sharing everything with our listeners at DC Radio. Thank you. You can put all of this information and tips into action today. Visit witandreason.com to get access to the resources we shared on today's show and to connect with me, Dr. Alexis Moreno, and to learn more about Dr. Mitch Preenstein's work. Did you hear something on the show today that you relate to on a personal level? Share your story. Send us your recording on witandreason.com and we may be able to post it on our teens and mental health show page to help others navigate their teen relationships. A special thank you to DC Radio. And of course, thank you all for listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Wit and Reason and DC Radio for our next show. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. Let's keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Wit and Reason with psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. For more information, visit witandreason.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.